Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma. No Patrick Mooney today. He is on the road to Cincinnati, much like the Cubs, who wrapped up their four-game series against the Diamondbacks at home, losing three of four, but salvaging the last one, which that's... uh, I feel like they've done that a few times this year, back when they were like losing every single series they would consistently, I feel like, uh, avoid the sweep and thus leave you with just that mild taste of of umame in your mouth where you're like, okay, <laughs> all right, something's, something's okay about this. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you wanted to jump they, on that. I was just going to... I mean, they've done a good job of outside of... Like, maybe I'm misremembering, but outside of the Dodgers series, they've been in all... Like, this was a series where they could have won three or four, sure. right? Like, they weren't out of these games, and they're they're at the, they're at basically at the same level as the Diamondbacks, and you can take that for whatever it's worth. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's... I think that's what we're watching here, a team that's, you know has a significantly worse record than what I think they actually are, but they're not good. That doesn't mean that they're good. Uh, yeah. So it, it's, I mean... That's maybe, well put. Maybe in the long run, that ends up being a good thing, right? Because you'd rather have the higher draft pick Get than in the lottery, baby. be a 500 team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's that's actually a good way to put that. And it, especially now that it's not like we're super deep into the season, but deep enough that you finally do start to get a sense of a team, I think. And um, it's uh, people hate it when you try to frame it this way because they want it to be very clear and binary and, you know, positive or negative. But it's it's really it's a team that's probably not very good and whose record is probably a little bit worse than that. So whatever. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about um, some of the things that were either underscored with this series or that we had already talked about or that emerged. Um, and then we've got kind of a bigger picture topic to get into. So one thing, I mean, let's start at the end, you know, a little schwisdom back-to-back games with, <laughs> with back-to-back homers. That is fun. It reminded me very much of the conversation we had in the last podcast about Christopher Morell's home run in his debut, where it's sort of like, we just, I think on, on some instinctive primal level, we just want things like that because we know exactly what you and I were saying. This is probably not a very good team. And so it's like, you know what, but at least give me something, you know, give me those two guys sprinting around the bases, wisdom, embracing Schwindel across the plate, hugging and just being like, oh, yes, brother, we did this. <laughs> I, I mean, it was nice. I, I loved that. And I, I think it's highly unlikely to matter in the in the grand scheme of the 2022 <laughs> record. But 
it was a nice, enjoyable moment and nice for them too, individually. Yeah. Well, and the PJ Higgins triple was nice too, I thought. You know, like that was a game where, uh, and I, I agree. I think part of my point of writing about PJ Higgins was, uh, they're, this is not a good season for the Cubs. So cling to these nice little stories and these nice, nice moments for Cubs fans. Because we can't always write about big picture, uh, you know, here's what's going on in low A or here's the piece that is going to stick. PJ Higgins, when the Cubs are a winning team, hopefully soon uh, again, I, I would venture to guess that PJ Higgins probably isn't a part of that, right? But that doesn't mean that his story isn't compelling and nice and and something that we should know about. Like if you're a baseball fan, like that's a, that's a cool story. If you don't know it, he, I mean, last year he finally made up made it to the big leagues, right? Twelfth uh, uh, round draft pick. Uh, not, I mean, you know, not never on a top one hundred list or a Cubs top thirty list. Not someone you'd know about or hear about very often. Got to the big leagues uh, after Tony Walters uh, couldn't. Well, it's like which cut it as the backup. Which one of the uh, seven yeah. backup catchers? I, I believe he was actually the second one. Yeah, because I, think he was, it, I remember. Yeah, yeah, he was it, only the because second it one. was. Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, a lot of people expected him to make the team out of spring training after we knew that Romine was hurt and not going to be close to ready. So. Uh, you know, I, they ended up signing Walters, the veteran, bringing him in. It, that didn't work out. And Higgins destroyed AAA with his bat and came up. And I remember it was just like, oh, he's it's a real minor elbow injury. And then like weeks pass and we're like, what happened to that minor elbow injury? It's like, oh, it turned out it was pretty serious and he's done for the year. It's like, oh, man, that's got to suck for him. And I talked to him about it and he was like. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, this is this. I'll just I'll be back soon enough. Like, how frustrating must that be to finally get to the big leagues? Think you have some minor injury and then you then that happened. So it's a nice little story. He got back. He got a big hit. Um, and and you 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 know, you take that for what it's worth. And and those little moments, I think it is important to try and enjoy them. If you are the type that that is still going to stick around and watch game to game in a season that clearly isn't. uh isn't going to lead to anything too fun out beyond that those type of moments i think similar well no no not similarly that's that's the the podcaster slash radio desire to always connect the previous thought with the next one and so i was you just had the instinct to be like similarly no no no. it's like the opposite of what we're saying because this this is something that happened in the series that is more of like the impactful near-term medium term type thing which was certainly seeing justin Steele look fantastic again was really heartening i mean i think a little part of me is like the the diamondbacks are pretty bad matchup or he's a pretty bad matchup for them so that does that does give me a little bit of caution but you know we can still evaluate how he looks and we can still look at the pitches and his command and his ability to execute in certain situations and that was good solid impressive and then you had keegan thompson swinging right back into that bulk pitching role uh and closing out yesterday's game after wade miley and i mean the run he gave up was on a bunch of soft contact so it he was looking just as good as always and i think if we've talked about it before on this but i i think that's the kind of thing that you're really looking for this year is just that continued big league level development for guys like that, that, that you can easily envision as 
impactful players on the quote next great Cubs team. And so I, I loved seeing that. I hope it continues to carry forward. Um, a little part of me, we've talked about this before too. I'm fine with Keegan Thompson going back into that bulk role right now because you've got five starting pitchers healthy that right now I would want all five of those guys in the rotation because, you know, for guys like Wade Miley and Drew Smiley, um, maybe you're looking to continue that relationship after this year, but more realistically, you want to see how they look in July because they might be trade pieces for you. So you, you absolutely, absolutely want them in the rotation. And then Hendricks and Stroman, you're, there's no reason not to have them there. And so it's Justin Steele or Keegan Thompson. And I think we're all fine with Steele continuing to get starts right now. So that was a, that was a really nice thing. Wade Miley looked absolutely fantastic doing his normal Wade Miley thing for five innings yesterday. And the, the rub with the normal Wade Miley thing is if, if he misses his spot by a little bit and he, that contact gets a little bit more elevated and a little bit harder, they become hits. And sometimes they get strung together when you're a contact guy. So that is what happened in that sixth inning. He didn't really look that much worse. You know, I didn't think he like fell apart in the sixth. It was just, Oh, hit, 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 hit. And they just, you know, strung them together. So, all in all, like you said, or like you implied, Sahadev, losing three or four to the Diamondbacks at home in the abstract is bad. But like, I didn't leave that series feeling um, any more disheartened than I was before. the The loss on Saturday was a particularly crappy loss, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just uh, all in all, it was like, okay, yeah, I can still see the the positives. Right. I mean, you. <laughs> I, I agree with your point on Steele. We really need to see him. I, I, I what he pitched Saturday, right? So he, he'll face the Reds, not the White Sox. You'd love to see him against the White Sox. I think you want to start seeing him against slightly better competition. Uh, but maybe the string of Diamondbacks, Diamondbacks, Reds is exactly what he needs to build that confidence. Uh, really know how to use his stuff to get through a lineup. And then that confidence plus the quality of stuff can lead to better things. I, I want to see it against better competition and not saying it's, there's no value in seeing these results against bad teams. It's, it's obviously it's a, it's, it's still a good thing, but you'd much prefer that than him getting knocked around by bad teams. So it's a, it's a plot positive that, that we need to see him build off of uh, to really feel good about his future. But I, I think Keegan's clearly, uh, at minimum something here, right? He's at minimum uh, a multi-inning reliever, and he showed that he can uh, give you some quality innings as a starter, too. I think we talked about it, that 65-pitch, whatever, five-inning game that he delivered. That's not realistic to expect all the time. Like, that's that type of efficiency would be great. He's going to throw a Maddox uh, every time he takes them out. Yeah, yeah. So if he can, uh, if he can turn into a starter, that, I mean... We've talked about this, but, you know, eventually what this rotation will look like is, uh, you know, in all likelihood, Drew Smiley and Wade Miley will be gone by August, right? And and you'll see Keegan inserted and Caleb Killian. And that's those are the types of things you want to see if, if you're in a lost season. Uh, yeah, it was fun to watch Frank Schwindel uh, rake and and Rafael Ortega do well against righties second half but that was like taking a gamble that oh did you find platoon guys did you find late bloomers and you know 
whatever they are that's that's not like impactful players for uh for the cubs next you know what? playoff can run. i can i slide yeah. in on that because you just made me think of something that i had never thought about before in the context of this subject you could make the argument that what happened last year was actually unhelpful for the cubs because you had these late blooming guys break out do so well that you had to set them see up they, to yeah. see what they could do the next year, even if you were, would have had significant doubts. And um, that isn't to say it was wrong to give these guys a look. It isn't to say I'm rooting against them this year. It isn't to say that I don't still wonder if they can be useful pieces. It's just um, what Zahadev is saying and is that's it's very thoughtful. I got to compliment you. It's a good, good, good <laughs> point is you would, much rather those same opportunities in a lost season in the second half went to guys that you know you're going to want to give opportunities the next year anyway. Um, right. So I think that's that when you put it that way, that's an obvious point. But I don't think we talked or thought about that last year as Schwindel was raking and Wisdom was still hitting homers and Rafael Ortega was doing great. So good, good point. And we should continue to see that, right? We, we'll see Steele. We'll see Keegan. Hopefully these guys stay healthy. We, and and all like I'd be very surprised if we don't see Caleb Killian hopefully soon, uh, and and those all three matter, right? You don't need all three to hit, but all three are worth watching and following and figuring out what they can be. Even if they struggle, that's fine. Uh, people shouldn't panic. I'm sure people will. If Caleb Killian comes up and struggles and doesn't look like a dominant force right out of the gates, uh, people may panic, but you, you shouldn't like. It, it can take a little while for these things to click, uh, especially for starting pitchers. But it's, it, you know, ultimately what you also want to see is the same thing on the uh, position player side. And I think we will. We'll start to see more of these guys as they get healthy. But we're in a situation right now, Brett, where we're almost two months into the season. And there's not a lot to click cling to on the position player side. There's just it's it's rough at the moment and i don't know i i i was off on this offense i thought uh, with the contact hitters i thought maybe some guys could play up i thought they could play the matchups and it would be a slightly above average offense this is a bad offense it's just it's not it's not close to average it's and it's the reason why they're this many games under 500 well it's for me it's a it's a double whammy of bad that we've seen so far it's the performance has been bad which is its own <clears throat> its own problem uh that is at least in some respects softened by all the injuries and if you were only evaluating the offense like uh, how well is it performing that's the only thing we care about you'd say you know quite poor but you know they've been missing guys you know whatever whatever but the the when I reference the double whammy, the bigger issue for me is I feel like we still don't have much useful information. Like that's what I wanted from these first yeah. two months. I mean, how many times did we say, I know I wrote it a billion times, run the word runway. It's like give so and so runway to see what's up. I mean, can you name one guy who fell into that category that we feel confident that we know you know, even if just a basic thumbs up, thumbs down, like, I don't know, I, I could probably say Jason Hayward 
doesn't have it anymore. I think I've got, I think we've maybe seen enough there to be confirmed. Rafael Ortega, maybe you could say, you know, certainly not an everyday starter against righties on a very good team, but I don't know. I, I can't say thumbs down because he might still be useful bench guy. And Michael Hermosillo was, is hurt. Uh, Nico Horner hurt. We, we saw a great defensively at shortstop that answered some questions, but what's the bat? Still don't know. Nick Madrigal, no performance worth evaluating and he's hurt. Uh, I, I could go on and on. Even say a Suzuki, I feel like we are seeing what we expected to see. It, it came a little bit later after that quick burst at the beginning, but you, it's, I, I don't think we have information. I don't think there's there's that confidence. I mean, maybe the only guy I can think of that fell into this category of us wanting to figure some things out. Oh, excuse me. Ian Happ, too, by the way. Yeah. Because he, the yeah. Po- where has the power gone? Uh, I love right. a lot of what we've seen, but, it, you know, he's kind of flown under the radar recently in terms of um, the we questions. We saw some flashes this weekend, right? I feel he like there was a, some he, power. There was a little bit. There was a homer his, and a double. He loves that uh, when he's batting lefty, that left center alley yeah. at Wrigley. And it's and I don't mean this as a criticism. It's the shortest alley in baseball. But, like, man, he peppers that thing. And I, I do like that. Um, but also, so anyway, I was just going to say the, the only guy that I feel pretty confident now that we have a really good you know have our head wrapped around who he is for now for this year next year maybe is patrick wisdom i feel like we've got a pretty good sense yep. of what he is and he's basically i, I agree the that. guy he was last year yeah which is i mean that is a useful piece but uh, i think it is kind of what the cubs expected to like super streaky uh, when he's hot, he's hot, and it's gonna go. The ball's gonna go far, and he's gonna hit the ball hard. Uh, those cold stretches are rough, and uh, fans are gonna hate that. Like that, the fans get Did so you, frustrated by players like that. You probably noticed the the hockey puck handle that he's using. He switched to that. Uh, oh, four games ago. I, I okay, and yeah. But what's interesting about that is, and I don't know if he's given it up yet. But did you? It was at the Athletic. I don't know who wrote it about Joey Votto this off season switching to the hockey buck puck handle. Yeah, I think uh, Trent must have written that. Okay, and it was a big, whole big thing. Fascinating. I thought it was very interesting. And then, of course, Joey Votto comes out of the gate looking historically awful. And I think he <laughs> gave it up. I think at some point during that stretch, he gave it up. Uh, so anyway, I just thought that was interesting. That because uh, Wisdom's, it's it's not even reasonable to call it a hockey puck. It looks more like a. I don't know. It's like a very long cylinder. And yes. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting. It's about four games ago and he's on a three game Homer streak. So it's, it's clearly the handle. It's yeah. It's always the bat. Uh, <laughs> it's the magic bat. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think and you, you didn't even mention uh, Clint Frazier. I mean, Gosh, we, we yeah. have no clue. Yeah. We have There's no so clue. Many. He is. There it's are a, so many. Yeah. That's a, Top. That's a 27-year-old top 10 former top 10 draft pick who has shown flashes and just hasn't stayed on the field, right? And uh, who knows what he's going to be able to do? uh, But it's there's just so many questions on offense, and I mean, right now, right now, it's I have to remind myself that it's May 23rd, and there's a lot of time left. But right now, this is. pretty rough scenario as far as what they want it what we're hoping for with the offense and and you know 
there was no real it wasn't about building this this uh hugely impactful dominating offense for 2022 it was about finding out who you could use beyond this season and who who what what gaps do you have to fill to make this a more competitive and impactful offense right right now it's what you would like to say, and and in my head, my in theory, you want Madrigal and Hap and Nico and Saya to be uh to be quality, right? Guys that you can really rely on, and then you fill in the gaps of, well, okay, if they're trading Wilson Contreras, you need two power bats somewhere, right? So you have the veteran and Jan Gomes and whoever they end up tag teaming with him behind the plate. And maybe you go in and trade for a power hitting X, uh, you know, third baseman, power hitting first baseman, sign a power hitting third baseman, and you have Brennan Davis in center field, and that's 2023. And suddenly you have a much more potent offense because guys like Seiya and, and Madrigal and Nico are quality pieces. If not, you know, if one of them turns into a star, great. But if uh, you just need them to be competent players, a average to slightly above when i say average to slightly above i mean average for a winning team right there's difference between just league average and average for a winning team that's that's just slightly above league average right Uh, and and they all have that potential it's just we, we need to see it we need to see it and i think for me i'm most encouraged by nico i know the numbers on offense don't look great he looks he looked really good to me and I, you know, unfortunately, uh, uh, an injury can throw off your rhythm and, and set you back as far as timing at the plate and, and feeling good at the plate. Uh, obviously looked great defensively. I think they believe they've found their shortstop of the future. I think they believe that that isn't uh, that wasn't just a couple, you know, good weeks there. Uh, he's he's continued to work hard and he's gotten to a point where he's an above average shortstop. I think they believe that. Uh, and it's hard for me to disagree with what we saw, right? Can he carry that over a full six months? Does he need someone to, to maybe take a couple days off there? Uh, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens there. But I think the good news there is he should be back in the next couple days. That's the vibe we got from David Ross. Ross was adamant that we're not bringing him back until he's 100%, but he's getting there. He's really close. The The Madrigal stuff is a little weird. I think it's worse than they thought it was, but uh, I saw him working yesterday, Sunday uh, on the field, and he seemed the most positive about uh, the progress he's made uh, since since this all happened with his back because every single time I asked him about it, He'd give me answers that weren't like, it's awful, but it, it was just like, that doesn't sound like a guy that's like, I'm going to get back in there tomorrow. I'm pushing to get back in there because he knew his back wasn't feeling right. And I think Ross called it a two steps forward, one step back situation. But I think Saturday he felt like something clicked and finally was able to do some things. And then there was no uh, residue of feeling that work the next day on Sunday. So I think he... He was really positive about it Sunday. Uh, Ross was cautiously optimistic. So we'll see. He's going to need a rehab stint. But I know and I know fans just don't like Nick Madrigal and the results uh, that, that he's produced. But he's you have to see what he can do. I mean, this again, a top five draft pick, a guy that could hit, you know, 
who knows, 320, 330. He has that potential. Uh, so we have to see if he can get close to reaching that potential and, and being a bat that they can really use in that lineup. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. In a lot of ways, Madrigal's start to his Cubs career is is emblematic of this entire conversation that we're having. And a part of it, for me, uh, is... I get mad at myself when I think about his situation and not just the back injury, but the, the fact that I last year when they made the trade acquired magical, uh, I totally put no stock in the fact that he was out with a major leg injury that required surgery, that he was missing a significant amount of time in a development window that he had spent so little time in the upper minors that his skill set comes with a, a narrow band of success that he needs the things that he needs to do in order to be a valuable player is a really narrow band. There's not a lot of flexibility in there and he hadn't, he had good numbers in the big leagues so far, but they were, it was two small sample seasons. Um, and I ignored all that because I, I liked the skill set so much that what it could theoretically add to the Cubs. Um, and I just, I was unprepared as a, an evaluator and a fan for his struggles to start the season. I think I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And then now he's missing this time with the back injury. And it's like, dude, you should have realized. And when I say, dude, I'm talking to myself, dude, you should have realized that this is a part of the whole development. Isn't linear thing. Like I was treating Mm -hmm. him like it was, and he was an established, okay, boom, they got their second baseman. So really the only question is, can Nico handle shortstop? And, I mean, I feel like an idiot because it's it, this, this at least has afforded other fans like me a reminder that you really have to think hard about your many, many years of experience being a fan and following players and realize how rare it is that someone comes up and it's just like this straight 
incline of of success and stability. It's going to be this erratic thing. And um, some guys have early success and they just they never get back to it. That does happen. I'm not predicting that for Nick Madrigal. I'm just saying I had allowed myself to forget that that was even possible. And so I'm annoyed with myself about that. And then when I think about him as an example of what we're talking about, where we're two months into the season, and I feel like we have so little information about guys that we feel like the Cubs need information about for the years ahead. Um, it's just really disappointing. Not again, not at him, but just at the situation. It's, it is just very disappointing not to have meaningful information. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's, for me, that's the biggest thing to take away. You want to have some meaningful information by the end of the season. You you hope that these guys can stay healthy, stay on the field, and get plenty of playing time over the next four months because that, unfortunately, that's the most important thing right now. It's not wins and losses. It's it's player development and seeing how these guys uh, – and, and you know what? Some of it isn't even going to be, it's going to be what you just said. It's not, the results may not be there, but they can get valuable lessons. They can, this is player, player development doesn't just mean like getting better every day. It means like sometimes it's like going through the struggles and learning how to adjust. And we may not see the results, uh, you know, as fans of media, like we may not see the immediate results, but there may be some positive things happening for the long run, right? We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen, how it's going to play out. It's very easy to write players off when they struggle, uh, even for like a full season. But it, I mean, it happens all the time. Uh, we don't know what this hitting infrastructure is going to do and how impactful they can be yet. We just don't know, right? There may be some positivity with the coaching hires. We just don't know what they can do yet. The pitching, I think we're starting to finally see really pay off, right? We, we've talked about it for years now, but it's gone. It's got starting to go beyond just random relievers, right? And uh, Brett, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you some props here. Uh, you pointed out some stuff about Chris Martin and I talked to Chris Martin and Tommy Hodby. I'll have a piece on it eventually. But that's another instance of a veteran who who came to the Cubs specifically because they had a very good plan for him that he liked. And and it's being executed to perfection. So they, they continue to prove that they can do this with veterans. Now they're starting to show some relievers that they actually develop. And even some starters with guys like Steele and hopefully Caleb Killian. And we'll see if Keegan's a rotation piece. But that's what they were trying to get to with the hitting infrastructure. I think they're a little bit behind because it took a while to find all the pieces and, and uh, get everybody on the same page, minor leagues, major leagues, but they're, they're getting there with the hitting side They're I, I think they're there uh, on the pitching side though, as far as being on the same page, minor leagues, major leagues, everybody working hand in hand, having the right people, coaches in place and, and getting the right talent on board it's it's uh, it's interesting to see uh you know when when you do like a bird's eye view of the entire organization and and talk to people across the organization i think they feel they're in a really good place pitching wise i know fans there there are going to be some fans that will disagree with me people really pushed back on the idea that they they've turned a corner with pitching development which i thought was uh interesting because i i feel like it's hard to deny when you look across the organization what the what they're doing and what they're accomplishing well, I think probably it's a vestige of there not being 
pitching emergences for so long. So people are like reluctant to buy into it and upper level starting pitching prospects still a little, there's still some distance there. And right. So and wait, I have to tell you this, Brett, I got someone saying this, it's been two years and they haven't produced a single starting pitcher. How can you say it's working? And I was flabbergasted because one of those years, <laughs> there was no minor league season. Last year was still a messed up uh, player development season because I think the minor league season started a month late. And and it takes a little longer than two years <laughs> to get these things right. And they are producing some pitching. So it's like it, it, it just was a, like I think people just want to be angry sometimes to be angry and say like this isn't working when it's like, well, there's evidence that it is. And also you need to be much more patient than the two years that we just went through. <laughs> well, Justin Steele <laughs> was drafted eight years ago. So it's like, right. yeah, the, 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 the timelines on this, especially for when you're trying to harmonize everything from scouting to player development to big league development. Well, your horizon has to be like five plus years to really see that. And that's it. What, what kind of sucks about that is regimes don't always last five plus years. So you, you get choppiness, but yeah, I think one thing that I, I just a random plot it that I've been thinking about and I haven't had an opportunity to mention it at Bleacher Nation or on the podcast that I want to just point out because it's coming next week. Pitching staffs have to get down to 13. We've talked about it a bunch of times, which means bullpens across baseball will be limited to eight. Assuming you have a five man rotation. It is a, enormous change to the way baseball has operated the last five years. And one thing I love that the Cubs have done, um, I won't necessarily say it was in anticipation of this rule change. It was just something that you sh a good organization should be doing anyway, is that your reserves of impactful big league caliber relievers needs to be huge at the AAA level so that you can have on your 40 man roster, you know, 15 of those guys that you can um, move up and down as necessary to fill those gaps in rest, in effectiveness, in matchups and whatever. Because um, the teams that can do that are going to be the ones that have good bullpens because it's just not going to be, oh, you've got eight good pitchers. You have a good bullpen. That is not what successful bullpens are going to look like in this era, I suspect. And it, it, you know, it tugs at me a little bit because there's a, you know, to maximize that, so we've seen like the Dodgers and Rays do, it is kind of shitty sometimes for the pitchers themselves um, to be yo-yoed. Um, and I, 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 you know, I, I wish there were some institutional ways to address there's, that. There's one way to uh, to get around the new uh, the new rule too, and I think the Cubs may be doing it. I I, I don't have evidence for sure that they're doing it, but. You know, when Michael Rucker goes on the IL instead of being sent down with turf toe, uh, that's a convenient way of not using one of those options, right? Because yeah. you have a limited amount of options every uh, for every player. So I, I think that I I'm just saying I don't know for sure. I didn't even ask Michael how his how his toe is doing. So so it's he unfair. He to points assume. to the wrong one. He's like, oh, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. getting better. No, I that's mean, it's great. Uh, it is funny. Like everybody we joke about phantom injuries too. And I, you know what you should do sometime do a piece and you can get the, this, this is one of the rare times where I think um, getting anonymous information would be totally fair is I want to know if, and when that subject comes up, 
how do teams try to work with the players to be receptive to this idea of like, hey, you know, we we think you're hurt. And, you know, because I have always wondered, there have got to be some players that are like, hell no, I'm not saying that my shoulder is sore because good Lord, I, you know, so yeah. especially when you those can hurt you like in the future. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But like turf toe, I don't know. Is that really going <laughs> to cause any future <laughs> arbitration to be like, well, you didn't miss that time for turf toe. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I just do wonder how that actually works at a human level. Um, anyway. We, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to wrap this baby up. Um, all right. We meandered a lot, but it was kind of what, uh, our intention was for this one, because I think there's just a lot of stray stuff to touch on. And frankly, Mooney always gets in the way. So, uh, we, <laughs> this was the day to do it. Uh, that's right. He won't listen to this. He, he doesn't know. He doesn't know what we said. Uh, no, he will be back with us on Thursday after covering the Cubs in Cincinnati, uh, that is Sahadev Sharma. Read his stuff at The Athletic. Read Patrick's too, of course. I'm Brett Taylor. You can catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation. This is On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. And we look forward to talking to you again on Thursday. Tell your friends. We love you. Goodbye. Goodbye.